Hey everyone, and welcome to our newest episode of The Designated Pundits. Today we're talking about Sporting Kansas City in previewing. Back with Jimmy Mack from No Other Pod, making his probably fifth or sixth uh, I-80 sports appearance <laughs> at this point. Um, and I'm excited to talk about Sporting KC, a team that had a great season, has a lot of players that I really love. I, I love everyone in the attack on this team. Always love talking Kansas City. Jimmy, how you doing today? Uh, I'm doing pretty well. Thank you for having me back. I always love coming on to talk uh, Sporting Kansas City with you. Absolutely. And you guys just won a Super Bowl. So uh, you, you got, got a lot of uh, sports momentum there at the moment, right? Yeah, yeah. It's uh, It was uh, a, a great end to the weekend that obviously uh, I'm sure people saw, you know, the, the Super Bowl celebration. There was an incident there that put a little damper on it. So that's kind of been a, a cloud over, over Kansas City for this past week. But, um, you know, hoping that uh, it, it can really rally the city together and we can we can make some some meaningful change to keep stuff like that from happening again. Absolutely. Now, let's get into some stuff. Let's do it. Last year, 2023, Sporting Kansas City had a 12-8-14 and 14 record. They finished 8th in the West, 48 goals scored, 51 goals allowed, which was the 5th worst in the West. Mm-hmm. Gave them a negative 3 goal differential, and uh, you made the playoffs. Made a little <laughs> run, advanced out of the first round, um, knocked out in the conference semis. How do you t- uh, think about 2023? Whew, um, <laughs> a tale of two seasons, I guess, if you want to call it that. Uh, 2023 um, was probably the strangest year I've ever been a part of in terms of covering sport in Kansas City. I've been a fan for you know over a decade um, since I moved to Kansas City. I've been covering this team uh, consistently for you know going on eight years now. I have never been a part of a season where a team started so poorly. I mean, winless in 10 games, yeah. three goals, three draws, games. seven losses in three games. points, three goals, three red cards. So there was, there was a theme there through the first 10 games. Um, and, and yeah, there was um, not an insignificant number of people calling for sweeping change across the organization, including the firing of head coach and technical director, Peter Vermees. Um, and then, Everything started to change when Sporting went on the road and inexplicably beat the Seattle Sounders in Seattle. And that kind of started a little run that coincided with Sporting getting a little bit more healthy. And um, from that point on, I want to say in terms of points per game, they were, if not the top, top two or three in the Western Conference in terms of points per game. And uh, it just kind of shows you how important it is to start the season well, because you can be, you know, for the last um, two thirds or more of the season, the best team in your conference. And if you dig your hole yourself into a hole across the first 10 games, all you can do is barely squeak into the playoffs, even with, you know, nine teams in the, in the conference making the playoffs. Yeah. And sporting KC, I mean, you guys had every chance in the world. It seemed like, you know, I I've said this about a thousand times. No one wanted to win the West last year, right? You, you just had teams falling all over each other to get out of their own way. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, likewise, St. Louis city, they started hot five wins in a mm-hmm. row, 500 ball the rest of the year. Yep. And they finished atop the, the the standing. Just, you know, really interesting. Ten games is a big sample size, though. That's a third of the season. That's Well, it is funny because Peter Vermees always says, you know, he's, he's said this as long as I've covered the team. He goes, it really takes about ten games to know what kind of team you have. And so we get ten games into the season last year. We're winless and have three goals and three points, and it's the worst start in the history of the club. Like, okay, guess we know what kind of team we have this year. And yet somehow 
they find a way to to scrap and fight their way to barely make it into the playoffs. And um, I mean, to be fair, to an extent, Sporting Kansas City started off last year very injured. Uh, they had missed Alan Polito and Gadi Kinda for all of the 2022 season, two designated players with injuries. Both of those players still were injured to start the 2023 season. It wasn't into, I want to say, April that Polito made his first appearance. Um, and uh, Gadi Kinda was, was a little bit after that. So sporting was anything but at full strength to start the year. Now I will say that's not an excuse to go winless in 10 games. And if you're talking about roster construction... There's one man who's also in charge of the roster construction for Sporting Kansas City. He also happens to be the head coach, Peter Vermees. So it's a it's a it's a tangled web, I would say, of of responsibility in Sporting Kansas City that all seems to lead back to the central hub of Peter Vermees. So the the club's success goes with Peter Vermees, and the club's failures go with Peter Vermees. So that's that's what makes this such a, a weird situation. Let's take a look at some of the contributors for last year. Alan Pluto, 14 assists. Johnny Russell, eight goals, three assists. Daniel Shallowy. Seven goals, eight assists. Mm-hmm. Eric Tommy, five goals, five assists, and Gotti Kinda, three goals, four assists. Now, this is what is going to bring you success throughout the season. I remember maybe it was three, four years ago now where Johnny Russell and Daniel Shallow, we had like 13, 14 goals each. That, that was like a little unsustainable from your mm-hmm. wingers. This is healthy. High yeah. assist from one of your wingers. You got the left footed Johnny Russell cutting in, scoring some goals, but Alan Polito in the center doing the work. Mm-hmm. Talk to us Absolutely. about the contributors from last year. Yeah, I would say the contributors from, I mean, Alan Polito, he started 26 of the 34 games. He made appearances in 28 of the 34 games. So he he missed the first six games of the season. Um, and then it took him a, a little bit to get back into a, a starting role. Um, I will say Alan Polito is probably healthier now than he has been in his entire time with Sporting Kansas City. And you can see 14 goals and 26 starts. It's a pretty decent goal scoring clip. I mean, that's not necessarily golden boot. Um level of, of goal scoring but but if you have a designated player uh striker i mean if, if you extrapolate that across a full season that's going to put you into that 18 to 20 goal per year season i mean that's that's perfectly acceptable for for a designated player striker and then you're right daniel shallowy and johnny russell i would say are still two of the better wing combinations in the league um the the thing that will be interesting this year is johnny russell he's the captain of the club he made 25 appearances last year started 21 games He's, he's getting a little up there in age. He's been around for quite a while with Sporting now. Um, he's still a very dynamic attacker. As you can see, eight goals in, in 21 games off the wing is pretty good, but he doesn't have the motor he once had. Uh, and then that midfield with Eric Tommy and Gadi Kinda, it was kind of an interesting uh, dynamic there because really they're two both sort of natural number 10s. They just play very differently. Eric Tommy, a, an, an efficient German downhill player who who's very um, technical and, and tactical in how he approaches the game. And Gadi Kinda is a little bit more flashy, a little bit more creative, but they both played that same spot and they were both designated players. And now with uh, Gadi Kinda no longer on the team, uh, it's going to change how that midfield uh, rotation looks a little bit. And, and it's going to be a lot more pressure on, on Eric Tommy to, to be the creative driver in the midfield. Love it. Yeah. Um, very interesting season. You guys had, um, you know, a healthy number of goal scorers outside scoring, you know, one, two or three goals each. So you had contributor. Mm-hmm. Can you just talk uh, briefly about William Agata looked amazing to me past the eye test. Didn't show on the score sheet had 700 minutes, three goals. Um, yeah. Is he going to be enough if something happens um, to Alan Polito to, you know, plug in every single game? I think that's the question. Uh, Will Yagata was, was not 
terribly healthy last year. At one point, they discovered he had a leg fracture, um, which required surgery, and and that kept him out of of much of the season. Which is why you know he had he had seven starts and, and fourteen appearances. Uh, but I mean, yeah, he came in at the end of the twenty twenty two season, and I forget what exactly what it is like eight to ten goals across twelve appearances or something. He was right up there for I think ended up being tied for the golden boot for the club, even though he played you know less than a third of the season uh, for that year. So he came in like a, a bat out of hell, just firing on all cylinders. And I think that led to some pretty high expectations for him in 2023, especially with Alan Polito out to start the year. And he, yeah, he didn't quite live up to it. We found out he was injured. Uh, he's been looking much better in preseason so far. Take that with a grain of salt. It's preseason. Uh, but you know, anytime you have a player scoring hat tricks, even if it is against a team like Miami FC, who may not be an MLS side, it's still something to keep an eye on. At least he's being productive and getting in the swing of things. And that's really the biggest thing for a goal scorer is can you find your rhythm? Well, that means so, he was being targeted. And that's exactly, what you want to say. Exactly. And and that that's the thing that I think is so different about Willie Agata versus Alan Polito is they're two drastically different types of players. Alan Polito, he's he's a striker, but he's he's almost a a, a hybrid. 9-10 striker central midfielder and there are sometimes if you're watching him if you had an ISO cam on him he'll drop as far back as the six and almost be in a sort of a defensive midfielder position he's he's really um intentional about where he is on the field and how he facilitates passing lanes Willie Agata is much more of that target type striker who's going to be around the box he's going to be there if there's a deflection and, and he's going to be able to put it away a la Chris Wondolowski back in the day yeah, I was very surprised to see William Agata's uh, height weight measurements when I was doing my research. He's, he's like up to there. He's a little guy. He plays big, mm -hmm. plays big. But yeah, uh, I love what you said about Alan Polito, you know, kind of doing, you know, that that's what a false nine is supposed to do. Pull the guys out. If, if, if the box is too crowded, pull someone with you and let the wingers get inside. Uh, yes. let, let's work for you. And if you let's, look at what happened and how Sporting Kansas City, particularly at Children's Mercy Park, scored against St. Louis City in the playoffs, the amount of times that a center back or two or a center back and a fullback would peel off with Alan Polito as he's making a run in the box and that would leave a passing lane wide open for a midfielder or a winger to run in there and, and tap the ball in first time. That's the biggest thing about Alan Polito's game right now. Now we got to turn the page on 2023 and look ahead to 2024. So let's look at the uh, incoming and outgoing players. Yeah, well. uh, made a graphic. Usually this graphic gets filled up. Uh, this this is not, and in this I kind of speaks to when I schedule these, there are teams that are like kind of complete. We could do Miami very early in the off season. Mm -hmm. I kept waiting for a big signing. So I, I did not want to shoot. This is now is February 17th, about <laughs> um, how many days away from the season opener of uh, four. four days uh, and, and we got incoming players, Memo Rodriguez. Yes, uh, he did. There was one other player. Uh, earlier in the offseason, although it's, I would not say it's a, a big name signing whatsoever, it's a left back named Zorhan Basong. Yes. Um, he he was signed, and the only reason that that's of note at all is because uh, Logan Ndenbe, who became arguably um, the most valuable player in Sporting Kansas City, especially in that St. Louis City SC series in the playoffs, who was scoring goals left and right, um, he tore his ACL in the playoffs. He will be out for a significant portion, if not all of the season. And he sort of was taking hold of that left back position. Sporting KC does have Tim Leibold at left back. He'll probably start, but he was the only other left back on the roster. So they signed Zoran Basong just for some left back depth. And then you're right, Memo Rodriguez, really the only notable incoming player as of this recording for Sporting Kansas City. Uh, you have Roger Espinoza and, and Graham Zussi um, as two of the outgoing players. 
Um, there was also Felipe Gutierrez, who Sporting signed halfway through last season, who previously was with Sporting KC and also the, the Colorado Rapids. Um, he also departed. So that's three midfielders that have departed Sporting Kansas City, all of whom could play at least two positions in the midfield. And that was Sporting's greatest strength, I would argue, last year was the depth in the midfield. They had four starting quality midfielders. And then they had two others who could sort of bounce across all positions. Three of those midfielders are now gone. The only incoming midfielder is Memo Rodriguez, who's a fine midfielder. Not if you want to have him as a starting midfielder and compete for MLS Cup, I would argue. So that's going to be a really interesting thing to watch for Sporting this year. And it's sort of a theme across all of the lines, arguably, is there's some good starting quality players there. And then there's a pretty steep drop off the second you get past that starting 11. Absolutely. And I have a starting 11, a little depth chart that I put together, uh, not necessarily being someone in the know, just kind of making some guesses from last season and actually being helped by uh, Ben Wright from Nashville. He puts his uh, fantastic depth charts up for free for everyone to take a look at. So I do want to shout him out when when you copy someone's work, you got you got to give him a little credit. Um, sure. And he has, you know, player rankings, colors, uh, highlighted, <laughs> the, the whole deal. So we're going to talk about that in just a second. But before I get into the actual players in the positions, I want you to t uh, speak just for a minute about, you know, coaching formation, team play style. What should we expect to see the SKC? Yeah, it'll it'll be interesting. Um, typically, Sporting plays a 4-3-3. That's the biggest complaint I hear from fans about Peter Vermees is he doesn't change. He's very rigid in his, in his strategy and his tactics. He only plays a 4-3-3. I do like to remind people that a 4-3-3 merely is um, where players start when they line up on the field. There are tactics within the 4-3-3 formation. That does not mean that they don't change. Um, but one thing that is consistent about Sporting Kansas City is the fullbacks push up into the attack. It puts quite a lot of pressure on the center backs, um, which is arguably why there was some difficulty in the defense last year. The, the center backs aren't quite as athletic as they were back in the day um, with Ikopara and Matt Beasler. But the fullbacks are going to push up. The wingers are going to cut inside. Um, it is a high pace um, and, and a lot of times on, on the defensive side, high press style of play that Sporting KC plays. They've coined the term, quote, Sporting Fit where they, they require their defenders to run a lot into the attack and they require their attackers to run a lot in the defense. So um, it is not an easy style of play for players. And there are some players who are very talented, very good players who come into Sporting Kansas City and don't end up seeing a lot of the field because they don't like to work as hard as Peter Vermees wants them to work in all facets of the game. That doesn't mean they're not good players or won't be very successful elsewhere. It just makes it difficult. So yeah, it's a, it's a high octane, I would say high risk, high reward style of play if they are playing um, and, and firing at the best of their abilities. Okay, so now let's take a look at this depth chart that I have here. Starting up top, you got Daniel Shallowy, Alan Polito, Johnny Russell across the top. If they are fit, if they are healthy, we can plug and play those each and every week. There's no doubt there, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely, 100%. Uh, behind them, we have, you know, Willie Magada, then we have Vargas, and you're going to have to help me with the name, Sionis. Marinos Janis. <laughs> very close very close I, I i made fun of all on this channel all the time for being the guy who can't pronounce like i'm like that book smart kid who read all the words but doesn't know yeah. how to pronounce any of them okay he's, um, uh, he's from cyprus it's not an easy one to pronounce moving back into the midfield you have uh eric tommy i expect to be covering the number 10 position yep absolutely and then going back i guess you get uh, uh do you could you guys go like a six and an eight twin eights twin sixes it's it's usually a, a six eight ten setup, so it's going to be Eric Tommy as that sort of ten attacking midfielder. Remy Voltaire, he's going to be that eight. Although he can play the six, and sometimes he says he prefers to play the six, he's really the eight. Peter Vermees prefers him at an eight, and then Nemanja Radoya, he's the the more natural six defensive midfielder who's sort of the connector between the back line and the rest of the attack. 
And you have Memo Rodriguez, uh, Felipe Hernandez as kind of the two notable uh, midfield depth pieces, but not yep. not a whole lot there. Um, let's talk about the, the the gentleman across this back line. You got some new names there. Uh, so on Andre Ufantis and Danny Rosero, they were probably the two most consistent starters for Sporting KC at center back last year. There was a little bit of health issues at times. Um, Danny Rosero, he's an interesting one. He's out of Columbia. Um, he was with Sporting KC for the first time last year. Um, he's, he's probably by natural ability, Sporting KC's best center back, arguably best defender. Um, he, he's a pretty athletic guy uh, that can get him in trouble a little bit. He takes a lot of unnecessary risks, and especially when he has the ball at his feet. Sometimes he holds onto it a little too long. So there's, it's a kind of a joke among Sporting KC fans. You're good for one to two, just sort of boneheaded Danny Rosero plays per game, and you just sort of hope that they don't lead to a goal. And if you can get through those, okay, great. He'll be great the rest of the time. But, but that's that. Andreu Fontas, um, he, he's sort of a, a mixed bag. Uh, he had one season where he was arguably MLS best 11 and the rest of that he's been okay. Uh, but he's a left footed center back. Who's sort of the, the, the senior member of that back line, Tim Leibold. He's a, a German left back. Who's, who's very strong in the attack and, and pretty decent and just fought through some health injuries last year. And then the one that's the most interesting to me is Jake Davis, the right back. Um, he played out of necessity at right back last year. He's a midfielder um, by training, uh, but Graham Zussi went down with an injury last year, and the backup right back, Caden Pierre, went down with an injury last year. We had no other right back, so they moved Jake Davis, who's a midfielder, to right back. And I think Jake Davis now played so well over those 20 games in 2023. If he continues on the trajectory he was last year, Sporting KC may have found the right back for the next 10 years. All right. Love that. Um, so any anything wrong here? Anyone missing? Are there, are there any key pieces that maybe should be shown as a backup? Um, I think you nailed the starting 11 100%. Um, Caden Pierre, he's definitely a right back, uh, the, the backup behind Jake Davis. He's a, he's a real young guy. He's got some U.S. Youth National Team experience, but... Um, he just has he hasn't had the health to see time on the field, but there's all the potential in the world there. The one guy who's been getting a lot of praise in preseason that is not listed on here, Stephen Afrifa. He was an MLS super draft pick last year out of, I believe, Florida. I want to say Florida International University. Um, he is a striker by trade. So they drafted him because they knew Polito was going to be injured. And then when Agata went injured uh, last year, uh, Afrifa got some time. But what they've been using him uh, at in the preseason is on the wing because you're right. You have Vargas there behind Johnny Russell. That's probably um, what, what a lot of people expected, especially once Kyrie Shelton went down, but they've been using a free on the wing while Daniel Shallowy battled through a couple of preseason injury knocks. And Peter Vermees has had nothing but praise for Steven a on the wing. He said he has impressed a lot of people and he expects Steven a to get playing time on the wing this season. Now let's move and kind of talk about some storylines we can follow throughout the season. Sometimes these are questions, other things we should be watching. First one's got to be, are the moves coming? I mean, there, there are definitely holes in this roster. You just said you have a right back converted. We can upgrade that position. The back line was a huge uh, issue last season. 51 goals allowed. That's, that's not great. Mm -hmm. No changes. Yeah, so it's a little bit of smoke and mirrors with the back line because the the they really started to come together toward the end of the season when when that combination of four players, well, it was Logan and Denbe at left back, but when it was uh, Fontas, Rosero, Jake Davis, and Logan and Denbe at the back uh, over the last you know month or so of the season, they started performing really well. Um, Peter Vermees did say just a couple days ago in preseason that they hope to make a signing before the window closes on April twenty third. 
they do not indicate whether that is a designated player or not. Sporting Kansas City does have a designated player spot open. A lot of people would like to see that used as a midfielder because, as I mentioned, there is some midfield depth uh, that is left to be desired. Um, I've heard uh, people, myself included, speculate, could it be a designated player winger? Now, that's a little odd considering Johnny Russell and Daniel Shallowy are still two great wingers, but as I mentioned, Johnny Russell's getting a little older. Um, and I would not hate to see another um, right back signing for depth. I would not hate to see another center back signing for depth. One thing that is interesting to keep an eye on, um, Courtney Ford was a guy on Sporting Kansas City over the last couple seasons who many thought would be arguably a starter last year. And he went down um, with an Achilles injury to start the year last year. So he missed the whole season. Yeah. He previously played with, with Colorado Rapids. Um, he is not with Sporting Kansas City this year, but they did sign him to a Sporting Kansas City 2 contract. I would not be surprised if Courtney Ford works his way back through that injury, get some good time with SKC2 if he ends up with the first team this year, and we might even see him at center back some. That'd be great. Yeah, um, backline had six clean sheets last season. Ironically, two were in the first three games. Very strange. <laughs> yeah, the defense actually looked pretty good to start. We just couldn't score, and then it kind of flipped in the middle, and, and then we got smacked by St. Louis a couple of times. Um I will say, if you look at sort of the expected goals for a lot of the games where they let up, you know, three, four, five goals, uh, it, it's it's almost an indictment of the mentality of the team at times last year. They let up more goals than they should have, especially those St. Louis games. The, the XG had them a, a one goal game, if not a tie game, and, and they were losing by two, three, four goals. So if they can clean that up and be a little bit more resilient, there, there's certainly potential there. You know, I'm fine with that. If you're going to lose by one, you might as well lose by five. <laughs> well, it, it seems that that's the way it went last year until the playoffs. And then they sort of flipped it on his head, which was weird. Anything else we need to talk about heading into the 2024 season? Um, I think the the one storyline that we really didn't touch on that was a, a big um, talking point in the Sporting Kansas City offseason was uh, the front office gaffe. They hired Gavin Wilkinson for eight days. We could have spent the whole episode. We could yeah. have spent the whole episode. Formerly of, so, of Portland Timbers. Um, formerly Portland Timbers and Port Portland Thorns. Uh, yes. He was fired for not doing anything to prevent instances of sexual misconduct. Uh, Correct. I we're not going to get into that. But, you can go look at um, all the articles if you want to. The Athletic has great coverage. but um, Rightfully fired and like yes. really horrific stuff, like 12 complaints and, and no action. So he, he's sure. the man of inaction in Sporting Kansas City. Thought, hey, guys, uh, let, let's add him to our team. Yeah, so they hired him. A lot of fan outrage, as would be expected. Eight days later, they end up you know, mutually parting ways. Um, the the reason I bring it up is is not to, you know, wag my finger at Sporting KC. I've done plenty of that, you know, in, in the past. Oh, on Twitter, um, I see every day. <laughs> but, but the reason I bring it up is because Sporting Kansas City did restructure their front office in order to make that signing happen. Peter Ramiz was promoted to something called the chief soccer officer, and Gavin Wilkinson was supposed to be uh, the, the sporting director, and he was supposed to take a more hands-on role in helping identify and scout players to give Peter Vermees a little bit more time to, to be more of a coach, even though he still reported through Peter Vermees. The interesting thing to keep note on is we haven't heard a thing about that since Gavin Wilkinson was fired. Presumably, Peter Vermees is still the chief soccer op uh, officer. Is Sporting Kansas City still in the market for a new sporting director? How does that impact uh, sort of looking for uh, and scouting talent, especially with a designated player spot open. Um, and if this season does not go well, if it starts, hopefully not as rough, but in a comparable manner to how 2023 started, even though we ended up making the playoffs last year, we're going to be right back to the calls from a number of fans for change in the front office. So um, this is a really integral 
first part of the season for Sporting Kansas City to continue on the trajectory that they're on with building a roster. And if not, there could be some sweeping change. Love it. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Jimmy Mack from No Other Pod. Let us know where, where we can find your work. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, check us out. No Other Pod. Uh, we're part of the Kansas City Sports Network. So you can find us wherever you get your podcasts on uh, KCSN Soccer. Just search for that across uh, podcast platforms. Follow me on Twitter at JCMac03. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at No Other Pod. And yeah, we're uh, we, we have a good time. We'll, we always get into some sort of shenanigans on our, our on our podcasts. Thank you so much for taking the time out to join us today, February seventeenth. Hopefully those those signings come in real quick. Um, have a so, great start to the season, and we'll talk soon. You as well. Thank you. Thank you, everyone, for watching.